0: Bakhmut holds. Still? No. It's fallen. Are you sure? No. Yes, I am. But if you're at all just consuming passively Western media, no. Nothing's changed from yesterday to today. It's all the same. No, after 200 plus days, yeah, it's over. Um, For the capture of this city, it's over. Um, I guess that's the end of the name. Bakhmut, at least for the Russians... They're probably going to revert to its old Soviet name of Artemovsk. Yeah, I don't know. Where do you start? I mean, a bunch of convicts with shovels, apparently, defeated. Shovels. A multi billion dollar, NATO backed, Western Merck backed, NATO trained army. uh, Doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good at all. Um, How many died? Jesus Christ, the numbers have thrown around. Obviously, the numbers are inflated depending on which side you're... Well, not necessarily, obviously. there, There's so many different numbers, you can't be sure of anything, right? But I think anyone following this closely can agree that it's like a lot of dead bodies, not just in the city, but in the area. Because remember, the, the whole area is a complex of towns of varying sizes. There was Solidar that came just before this, which was a battle in its own right. Um... Countless, countless numbers of Ukrainians for sure are gone.
1: Well, specifically in Bakhmut it was uh, the official numbers, I think, released by the MOD or... Which? Russian? Yeah. Mm. There's, uh, yeah. Um, That, you know, they claim, obviously you can just have a look at them here. Um, A big long list of defeated brigades, at least as in, to the extent that they, you know, whatever number of personnel within those brigades they they, they fielded it. um, obviously yeah, it's one year um, since the fall of uh, the capture of Mariupol uh, officially started uh, this campaign for Bakun was started in October in October, so you're talking 7-8 months um, killed in action 39,000 Ukrainians uh, and of that actually killed 23,000 um and then armored vo- armored vehicles loss armored vehicle losses they put it in dollars so seven point eight billion worth of armored vehicle losses and then drones twenty seven hundred and plane losses twenty three planes so' those are the official numbers of you know it works out at a hundred killed a day over the the number of days about a hundred mo a little more a hundred a day the ukrainians killed and almost double that for losses, overall losses, including including, including injuries, you know. So yeah. like 200 a day for every day of a 224 uh, day battle is pretty pretty catastrophic, you know, but apparently there's no shortage of people to throw at because they're defenders, you see, you know. It's not about, they're defending, you know. Um, which psychologically, you know, you can see that in this. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a power imbalance in the sense of the, the, the effectiveness of the Russian military compared to the Ukrainian military is, is significantly greater, so you're going to have much more Ukrainians killed uh, than Russians but also it's the, the sense of uh, th- th- that dynamic between invader and defender um, If depending on the type of invader, but that, since the Russians are taking a cautious approach and want to minimize their, their losses and also they have that advantage that I spoke of Whereas the Ukrainians as defenders see, you know, get full of patriotic fervor and, you know, are, are
0: driven. If we don't Malayan, take a stand here, where do it's we? It's
1: emotionally driven, you know, so yeah. they'll, they'll be more likely to sacrifice themselves and become martyrs, you know what I mean? That, that That's much more a thing on the def, the side of the defender in any conflict Yeah, uh, who, who perceive themselves as being, you know, the, the at the being subject to a, a, an evil aggressor, you know, you're much more willing to fight and die for that cause than, let's say, in theory, the aggressor would because they're doing it for other reasons. They just don't have that defense mindset. You know, yeah. uh, We're defending our country. You know? Although the Russians obviously do, as part of their propaganda, they do put that out there that they're defending Russia, but it's, it's not as poignant, let's say, uh, for the Russians because they're not in their own country, not actually defending their own land. They're defending other people, Russian ethnic Russians in another land. But the Ukrainians, at least those that are willing to step up and you know go and fight, uh, they see it as defending their territory. It's on their territory, so it's not un- unsurprising that that there would be significantly more Russian or Ukrainian losses overall in this conflict. Even setting aside the uh, the, the technical advantage and numerical advantages that the Russians have—not numerical, but you know uh, military advantage that the Russians have.
0: Uh Yeah, artillery and air support. Yeah, you mentioned that it's been a year. It's a year to the day. Isn't that crazy? Since Mariupol Mariupol was, as far as the Russians are concerned, officially Mm -hmm. defeated, probably probably the end of the Azovstal plant. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it sounds it seems a bit contrived to me. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's on exactly exactly the same day. I mean, really, you think it's a coincidence? No, (laughs) huh?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, it stands out, it does stand out, uh-huh. yeah, I agree, it stands out. It's also May 20th is the date of, maybe that's not connected, Zelensky's uh, inauguration in May 20, May 20th of 2020. Yeah,
1: so even more so, um, you know, that convergence of, of coincidental dates says to me that it was, it was planned that way, you know. By the Russians yeah,
0: which speaks to them doing this in their own good time, all the screamers to, be damned it speaks to a level of control over the situation as well that uh, yeah, that is, yeah. isn't being admitted you know it doesn't yeah that
1: when you know that is that, that uh, kind of ridicules the obviously the obvious propaganda that the Russians fighting the shovels russia's losing russia 's terrible Russia's is a horrible, terrible army they you know that, there's so much uh, this this conflict, m- more so than any other conflict in the, even in the, all of the twentieth century, uh, is just the fog of fog of war doesn't doesn't get it like no I mean and they're the, like smoke
0: machines just yeah, constantly pumping
1: out it's the first major conflict in the information age and where the information information t- technology has been massively applied to it you know mm-hmm. I mean obviously that kind of um, you know the availability of you know the spread of the, the internet and usage of internet and availability of cell phones and all that kind of stuff and different applications on the internet and and, and and like I said, the number of people using them has increased. Like say
0: since the Iraq War or or
1: even the war in Syria
0: and stuff. But the, the Iraq War would have been so different if ordinary Iraqis had been able to capture it on their phone right. and then upload it directly right. to the right. net.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's what makes a big difference, and that that just creates a situation where you have just a massive amount of, of lies but there's also the investment of, of Western powers because they're so invested in this conflict as, and, and, and are seeing it as yeah. there's no there's no reference ever to Iraq being you know a war for our freedom for our future the world order will stuff. collapse if we right. don't win right. this it's not none of the previous wars were existential they're f- from the West point of view, at least this, uh, as, as they're claiming, which means that their investment in it and the level of propaganda and lies is through the roof yeah. to the point where they openly, they're all on board. The Western media and governments are all fully on board, like without any question, fully on board with the idea that you must lie. We have to lie. We're, we're actually helping the war effort. We're helping uh, Western democracy democracy survive. We're helping the international rules-based order survive by Actively lying about what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's for so a greater, greater good. So uh, people, people's idea of transparency in media or, or honesty in media and truth telling in media. Sorry, that was last century, or that was. And there have been admissions to that effect. There have,
0: there? there have a bit like we saw with uh, the pandemic. Um, along the way, there right. was the occasional article that yes. This is being inflated, but you know we have to. It's part it's of for the good. It's, it's for this yeah. We have to make sure people are on board with this. Mm. They don't understand what's at stake, so we we'll, we do of course. Um, we watched it in real time yesterday evening as Western media floundered with how to deal with <laughs> reporting on this, and of course it was just put up. We noted the BBC said, "Well, Russia claims." So um, how how are they faring? Zelensky, of course, is in Japan at this time. Um, uh, on his world tour, his never ending world tour. Here's a clip of him. He's sitting down with Biden and he's asked, and he answers in English about Bakhmut. Um, he seems to admit, yes, Bakhmut is gone, but it's unclear. Should, President, does yeah. in Ukraine's hands? The Russians say they've taken Bakhmut.
2: I think no. But you have okay. to to understand that there is nothing. They destroyed everything. There are no buildings. It's a pity. It's tragedy. But for for today, Bakhmut is only in our hearts. There is nothing on this place. So, just ground and and a lot of dead Russians. But they came to us. So that our defenders in Bakhmut, they they did strong work there and and of course we appreciate them for for their uh, great job
0: uh so is that a yes or no the guy asked
1: him <laughs> russia bakhmut is back is back with still in ukrainian hand the russian says they they have taken back yeah. and he says no I th- what's he saying no to i
0: think no and yes. then he says, anyway, Bakhmut is in our hearts. Come on. That means it's gone. It's a tragedy, but... Uh, it's the ghost, of,
1: the ghost of Bakhmut. It's, is in it's our heart.
0: occupied, yes, by Russians, but Russian corpses. Yeah, only Russian. I, I still get a victory out of this. That's what he did on the spot, you know, in credit he put on the spot. So here's a prepared statement today from either from him directly or from his office. Um, this is how Sky News reported this. Bakhmut is, quote, not occupied... Zelensky denies claim Russia has taken control of Ukrainian city. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Look at that byline. So, remember, he's, he's in Hiroshima, Japan, for the G7, right? Right. The devastation in the besieged eastern city, Bakhmut, has been likened by Zelensky to the, to that inflicted on Hiroshima following the dropping of the atomic bomb in 1945. Okay. Scroll down a bit. Um. Okay, so his counterclaim is no. He said Ukrainian troops remained in the besieged eastern city. I mean, I, I was Biden next to him when he said that? Mm. That Bakhmut is Hiroshima, 1945? Mother of God. Um, but again, he emphasized there's nothing left. Uh, they've destroyed everything. So, yeah, that's that's kind of like, yes, they have, but... It's nothing. It's, it's nothing to us.
1: It's no big deal. Well, that, that's not what he said. Like about five, five months ago, uh, you can sit here speaking. Uh, he went to only went to, for the first time, I think, to the US um, during this conflict and spoke in front of Congress. And here's what he said uh, then about Pakman.
2: Oh. Left Americans yesterday before coming here to Washington DC. I was at the front line in our Bakhmut. In our stronghold in the east of Ukraine in the our stronghold. The Russian military and missionaries have been attacking Bakhmut non-stop since May. They have been attacking it day and night but Bakhmut stands. Yes.
1: That's what we like to hear in Congress. Some jingoism and Rhetoric. Clap, clap, clap. Was good right once he
2: says. is not just a stronghold that holds back the Russian army, but for the Russian army to completely pull out, more cannons and shells are needed. If so, just like the Battle of Saratoga, the fight for Bakhmut will change the trajectory of our war for independence and for freedom.
1: So it changes the trajectory of the war. It's a stronghold, Uh, but apparently now it's it's nothing. It's just a bunch of houses uh, of no significance. So, which is it again? Lies, nonsense. uh, Narrative changes depending on how you feel. Uh, But it's very much like your Congress is very like um, uh, your war for independence. uh, Is that the battle you referred to? Feel. Feel in your hearts the, yeah. uh, the same thing. You are um, a little
0: guy against British Empire. We are little guy against Rusky Empire. Feel
1: in your hearts and then feel in your pockets for uh, for the money. Yeah. You know, uh, the heart connected to the wallet. Uh, you, send, uh,
0: <laughs> you send everything. you like me, you send. So I guess Prigozhin was playing us all for fools then with all his claims that uh, Wagner was outnumbered and out-shelled and all the rest. Mm. If, and especially if, if your take is correct, that this could be, you know, pinpointed to the day for for Russians own PR purposes. Yeah, syncing it with the liberation of Mariupol last year.
1: Look, look, for for the, at least the past week, there's been a few high-rise buildings left. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, they could have
0: gone earlier. Yeah. 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 Um, ah, Jesus! I know. Well, it's not the end, you know. I know Honestly. of course Well, they we'll put this in context in a minute but remember these are the people who made bakhmut we just heard it from him but also the western media they made bakhmut an issue i mean 2 months ago ba- if we lose bakhmut now they'll be racing across the dnieper river and they're being kept by by breakfast time you know mm. kind of bullshit so um they made a big deal out of it right so this is this is from the telegraph although it's yeah msn just just uh, republished it Telegraph headline eighteenth May, so three days ago. Russia Ukraine war live. Wagner fighters, quote, like rap like rats in a mousetrap. Like <laughs> it's like this just let's just say yeah. what our side is facing and just just say that's what they're facing. You know, straight up switch of,
1: yeah. of reality. Well, you know, if you want the reality-based interpretation of this whole thing and why they're lying about it, why they just kind of like talk it up and then play it down and, and, and carry on, it's because war is, like I was saying earlier, war's a racket, you know, which was, you know, most famously um, spelled out by a guy called um, Smedley Butler, wrote a book called War's a Racket in 1935. Um it's, uh, and his, his basic summary is that war is a racket. It has always been. It is possibly the oldest, easily the most profitable, surely the most vicious. It is the only one international scope. It is the only one in which the profits are reckoned in dollars and the losses in lives. A racket is best described, I believe, as something that is not what it seems to, to the majority of people. Only a small inside group knows what it is about. It is conducted for the benefit of the very few, at the expense of the very many. Out of war a few people make huge fortunes which is and i've said this before and it's been my perspective and i've seen no reason to change it uh, certainly it was true in 1935 for smedley butler uh, that um war is an end in itself for yeah, a small group of people who profit from it and um, you don't you, it's it's a good idea for those people to simply have a war it's not about who wins it or, or you know if we lose or whatever that can always be you know the data can always be manipulated in one way or another but ultimately for you know when it comes down to it for a small group of people it doesn't matter who wins or loses having the war is the point yeah um, so when you get downstream of that and you're talking like we are about the kind of media and how they report on war I mean if you're focusing at that level, you're not really understanding. You're missing it all. You're going to miss it all, you know. Um, Yeah. So, and that's from, particularly in in the context of the war in Ukraine, the, the racket part of it obviously is primarily on from Western sources, basically. It's Western sources and primarily the US and maybe the UK who are the racketeers in this conflict. They're the ones who set it up. They're the ones who provoked this war, who who knowingly and consciously, deliberately drew Russia into the war um, in the knowledge that they probably wouldn't win. They they, they would not be able... They just wanted to give Russia a problem, you know, and that, you know... uh, the dog barks and the, and the caravan moves on. Eventually, you know, and and it, there's no, it's not it's not a end or beginning. It's, so even even these, uh, it's not the end of something. The beginning of something else. It's not it's not a big upheaval. There's no serious uh, downsides for them. Uh, it'll it'll you know it'll pass on the new cycle and something else will come along and we'll still be in power. So it's it it doesn't matter, you know. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Until bigger, like you also told me yesterday, bigger macro forces come into play, and then there really is a point or a period beyond which the West cannot any longer operate as it has done, you know, for short term pecuniary interests. Yeah. I mean, um, you're, dealing
1: with, you're dealing with people
0: at the highest level who are actually pushing this conflict
1: and, and, and all sorts of other things in society, all sorts of other destructive things, including econ- the way the US is pushing economic sanctions on different people, and most recently are more recently on, on, on China and their, their mm. attitude, you know, their, their actions towards China. All of it's, and, and the sanctions that, that they tried to impose on Russia that didn't work. If you look at it very very quickly, you see that you can see already with, with the russia sanctions that it actually doesn 't really do anything to to stop russia it doesn 't hurt russia very much it hurts Western businesses more than it hurts Russia and speeds up the decline and the unseating of the west at the at the top the seat the, the top table uh, the top seat of the top table in, in global power structure it's, it, it it increases the the or, or speeds up the the timeline of, of of the West basically falling, and they're doing the same thing with China now. Where with with the sanctions against China, is, um, you know, preventing companies, the US imposing sanctions on, or threatening to impose penalties or sanctions on companies that sell semiconductor, you know, uh, tech to China to try and screw over China. And they've been doing that for, for the past few years. Uh, the past laws, you know, been imposing that on, on Western companies, which means that Western companies that sell. Uh, Western tech companies that sell semiconductors and uh, and similar tech items to, to China, they can no longer do that. So those companies, and you can look in the, in the media, like Intel and a bunch of other major Western um, tech companies, have all taken massive hits on their profits uh, over the past couple of years because the US has, has threatened them and said you cannot, can no longer sell to China, which is a massive market for them, and they're saying you can't sell anymore. So these Western companies are... Are, are, are kind of taking serious hits to their to their bottom line, which is, affects Western economies at large and mm-hmm. you know and, and, and in response to that, China then massively invests in its own domestic semiconductor production uh, to the point that it doesn 't matter to China, and the only loser in this is western companies and they 've done that with russia as well so it's what, what are they, these people in the west what are are they that stupid or
0: are they just off the the leash or they they lost the plot completely? I think they think in their delusion that they can create a miniature version of the current global trading systems that excludes Russia and China in some key respects where we're still on top at least over maybe 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 it's more geographic thinking at least over here the US Will be the top of this pile, Mm -hmm. and we want it to be as big as possible. But we'll have to be realistic that it can no longer be a global project. So it's a separate. If 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 we can't be hegemon of the whole earth, what what can we be hegemon of at minimum? Right. Uh, So it's dividing. Europe is captured in that respect at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, The Anglophone countries, probably Australia, New Zealand, Canada. South America, to some extent, still, yes. So you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Recreate the world. Okay, we can't beat China on a one-to-one basis. So can we exclude them? <laughs> Just, and anyone no, in then who tries to trade with them will try and sanction them, which we can do right. as long as the dollar remains. But you're right, though. There has to be some... They're not dumb, some of the best thinkers. Mm-hmm. They're not that stupid. They also know the dollar will decrease in its use as the kind of... Uh, the Greece... That makes it all go around, mm-hmm. which will undercut mm-hmm. a, even even a backup scheme like that. Mm. A miniature globalized world, with us still on top of this heap. Right. Um, so it's a division I of I think the they world. Get, into, they get caught up in their
1: delusions, yeah, and they don't see the bigger picture, and they don't see they live for the moment. In a certain sense, they don't yeah. they don't care. They're like you know, extremely impulsive hedonistic people who only live in the moment for what is expedient and useful for me to do today. And there's not a lot of... That's why
0: their actions don't match their words. At their think tanks, like the WEF, um, the Atlantic Council and stuff, they produce, or the Heritage Foundation or whoever, they produce the great papers. That's, when you read them, it speaks to seeing the world in a global sense and encompassing, being all-encompassing in its assessment of the problems and the possible solutions, mm-hmm. but you see their actions don't don't match. They're too greedy. They go in for the quick kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go and topple a country. They on paper they've said is very important that we keep this place stable over mm-hmm. here, and then they go and they topple the leader. Mm-hmm. They just undercut what, what they know yeah. would be objectively the right thing to do. Yeah. There's a sense that
1: some somewhere they're aware that 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 it's an end game type thing. That there's and it's it's almost like a fire sale type thing and it's get what you yeah. get what you can in the moment because this this place is going down the tubes. Not if, not that they necessarily know that it, you know uh, consciously, but they're just, they have a sense that that's they just they're they're kind of reaction machines in a certain sense. They don't think very deeply about a lot of things. They're very impulsive and they have a sense that this is a. a the scramble for the world type of thing. I said, you know, the scramble for Africa back in back in the day, but um, the scramble for the world for the whole world, and it's like there's, it is changing. They recognize that it's changing, that and they're willing to, like you were
0: saying, kind of divide the world almost into two, two hemispheres, you know. Which is With, exactly what the UN chief spoke out against. Kind mm. of like Macron a couple of months ago. Mm. He says this: the world is dividing into two camps. Mm. This is really, really bad. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> bad direction. Yeah, basically to go down. east west. Uh, East-West or, or West-South?
1: Well, it's not, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not. It's really just, it's Western Europe, America, uh, Western Europe, North America, um, maybe a little bit Mexico, maybe, in, the, in the, because it's right on the border, you know, can be kept in the, in the Western camp, and then the rest of the, quote-unquote, international community, Australia, New Zealand, few other countries that you can fight over, but generally American speaking, smaller. Africa, Asia, and most of South America, well, South America is maybe up for grabs, but uh, Africa and Asia, uh, everywhere, Asia, everywhere west of, everywhere east of Western Europe is um, is is in that other hemisphere, and
0: it's let's see what happens. I think it's in, it's encapsulated actually in the big international summits that took place last week mm. or are still taking place. I think this weekend. So the G seven we've mentioned. Um, that's basically Europe, USA, Canada, and Japan, of course, mm-hmm. host country in this case, mm-hmm. um, G7. At the same time, Xi Jinping is host of um, the Central Asia Summit. It's an inaugural format, and it is just a Central Asian stance with China. So you see that's region focus. You know, mm-hmm. g- compared to what I just, the West is, you know, it doesn't make sense calling it the West, the Western one, the G7, because you've got Japan in it, then you've got Europe, right. and then you, you skip another ocean and you've got North America. <laughs> the, right. What is that as a geolo- geographic entity? It makes no sense. Whereas the Chinese one makes sense. It's us and our immediate neighbors in Central Asia. Right. At the same time, there was the Arab League summit. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. all contiguous neighbors with each other, they're distinct. Geographically and of course ethnically and religiously because mm-hmm. the Arabs. Um those things make sense. The G seven one no longer makes any sense. Yeah. Japan plus Western Europe plus skip right. skip an ocean USA. Yeah. <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, the yeah. The the New York Times recently gave a <laughs> had a I think it was the New York Times had a had a an article saying, um, I've been posting in response to like Macron and different people like that um, on on Twitter uh, where it basically said that the G7 is... is I have it. The,
0: I, the unloved, unloved leaders. Yeah. yeah. I, this, this says it all for me, yeah, although of course it, New York Times are sympathetic to the G7. Still, their headline was like, it was pretty based, as in based in reality. Mm-hmm. Have a look.
1: From yesterday, it doubles as a club for, the un, for unloved leaders, <laughs> which is true. Like you look at, uh, I mean, you know, Macron, Schultz, uh, Trudeau, in particular, Biden, definitely. And I mean, there's no love in in those, in those prime ministers or presidents' uh, home countries for them amongst them, uh, probably majority of the people. You know, so they're all there trying to make themselves feel like um, make themselves feel popular and 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 uh, and powerful. You know. But it's pretty, yeah. It definitely has lost a lot of lustre, you know, the G seven as it is today, and um,
0: yeah, yeah. So, um, so well, that's probably last word in Blackwood. Um, well, what else was going on? Uh, ha- Russia, March in Ukraine this week. John Helmer described it in the end as cynical trading in horse flesh, which is mm. an apt description. Cynical trading in flesh. Period. Um, and, of course, it's mostly Ukrainian flesh, not Russian. So, um, yeah, Bakhmut, do you want to return, that? to return to the missiles thing? Because, I mean, yeah, we, talk we about talked about it. about it last week, but no one, else, hadn't happened <laughs> no one else really. Had it happened by then? Well, um, you had had the detonations of the ammo dumps in right, Western no. Ukraine. But not the. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, so, okay, so, uh, update. So uh, against the background of the Western media narrative, Russia is running out of missiles, right? You've heard that since since March of last year. On um, last Monday night, um, Russian airstrikes—they said eighteen altogether—hit um, sites in Ukraine, um, including. Oh yes, this this was new since the last show: the Kinjal strike that destroyed a U.S. Patriot system in Kiev. Um, do you want to play that video? Mm. This whew, this is CCTV footage. You all probably seen it, but what you probably don't know about it is that it's highly illegal in Ukraine to upload um, such footage. Um, we know that because you since discovered that s- the six Ukrainian bloggers have been arrested for sharing this video. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly uploading, it. I don't know. I don't know who had it originally. So, this is Kiev last Monday night. watching air defense system presumed to be the patriot system fire off well i don't know some people count the this tweeter here counted 30 launches here um they don't come from the exact same spot it we checked online and the patriot battery typically holds 4 appears to anyway from published photos of it so there are multiple launchers in slightly different yeah. locations. Well, behi- in well the we don't know that
1: they're all Patriots either. You know what I mean? Of okay. course. So, really? uh, but you know, it's possible there were at least a few of those references to like three of them at least. Uh, three Patriot systems being used. Uh, the location is kind of behind. It's it's it seems to be it's it's in the area in the compound of the Ukraine of the Kiev airport. Which is
0: a Ah, you can see there, there's definitely def- different locations yeah. off yes. to your left now. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, it's in the location of the Cave Airport, which is a good place to put it, obviously, because you've got an op- open area. You know, there's no buildings around an airport, no major, no big buildings. It's, it's, it's a wide area. And it gives you a clear view of the kind of sky and that kind of stuff. And, you know, you're, just, you're away from buildings, basically, which is a, uh, an obvious place to put it. Um, and it's not just for protecting the airport, obviously, because it has quite a long, quite a wide range. Um, but it's just one of many Patriot. Uh, these would be one of one of many Patriot systems that are in Ukraine that are, you know, theorized or assumed to be in Ukraine. Most of them in Western Ukraine. Um, but it kind of last week we were talking about the shoot down of the two helicopters and the two jets over Russia. Um, and I suggested at the time that it was probably
0: a patriot system that actually took those, okay, those f- four four things down. Before you go on, you notice there's a break. This is a little. I think it's six minutes later yep. in real time. Right. The launches have stopped. There's there's something else. Flash. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That. So it all kind of makes sense. You know. Obviously, nobody's talking about it. the Russians. Aren't talking about the Ukrainians. Definitely aren't talking about it. Uh, the West is downplaying it. Um. And. But you know the. the to the extent that we can get information on it, it seems to me like, and I said at the time when that happened, was that it it kind of bore out my suggestion about the shoot down of the two helicopters and the two jets over Russia just several day, a few, three or four days previously that they were shot down by a Patriot system and this was Russia's response to that um, by targeting a Patriot system in, in Ukraine. Right. Uh, as a response, basically. And... You know, putting the Americans on notice that you know there would be there would be a response. Um, and the the thing about it is is that the question is why did why why did they fire so many missiles all at once? Well, I mean, the standard way of identifying uh, air defense systems is to um, provoke them to fire, so you can get uh kind of geolocate them or you can ID their location at, for an actual strike on the on the system. You know, so often you'd either send in a lot of drones or some. Um, Or some what do you call them uh, decoys, decoy missiles? Uh, Apparently, I've I've learned that the Kinjal itself can be can be
0: has decoys that split off, right?
1: Yeah, but it's also possible to spoof uh, radars as well. Yeah, you know what I mean. We learned that from Iran. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can spoof the radar to show a bunch of incoming uh, uh, missiles, whatever, when there are none, and and provoke it to you know the air defense system to fire off, and then you get an idea of where it is because the best way to Easiest way to identify it is is when it actually launches missiles, and then as you saw, six six minutes later is a is a kind of reasonable time frame as well for them to have identified from those launches of the location of this these uh, air defense systems, and then target it with a hypersonic missile.
0: Yeah, so it's not really strange, you know, in that sense. Right, but what <clears throat> what you've deduced, that scenario you've deduced is far from anything <laughs> anyone is, is reporting or talking about. I know, yeah. um, we're miles off. We noticed last Monday, we, we went to our, one of our favorite sites immediately to see how they covered it, the Telegraph. Mm. Uh, like, I, I, we don't have it to hand, but it, it basically said, um, the exact opposite, it said, Ukraine shoots down all Kinjals right. with patriots, yeah. victory, next to a photo showing Fire services putting out a fire in some massive blaze, presumably the site that was hit by the Patriot. And then, of course, Anglophone Media updated the story from uh, all six Kinjal shot down Monday to Tuesday. Uh, Yes, a Patriot system appears to have been damaged. Mm. <laughs> is that it is shot- that it guys just,
1: just from falling debris you know
0: <laughs> oh that's right that's what the story said falling
1: um, like from the shot from the, from the shot down uh, Kinzhal missiles obviously they shot them down very close to the point that uh, you know the actual the the, the, the remains or of, of the of the russian hypersonic missiles fell on the patriot batteries and damaged them
0: yeah the, i mean <laughs> the, okay so by wednesday this is the kind of op-ed the telegraph was putting out Remember this guy, the, the copium is off the charts here. But it's been, on, it's been an ongoing narrative now for two weeks Patriots versus Kinjals, you know. Ever since they had Klitschko appear with what obviously wasn't a Kinjal. Headline: it's an op-ed, but still. American Patriots nailed Putin's hypersonic Kinjal missile. The world has changed. Yeah. Xi Jinping will be annoyed by this as well. And let, let, <laughs> let's read a few paragraphs. It's totally off the charts, copium. So this is last Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. There's much excitement around the world following the events of Monday night in which Ukrainian air defenses armed with U.S.-made weapons reportedly, reportedly keyword, neutralized a heavy Russian missile attack against Kiev. In particular, the attack apparently included six Kinjal dagger air launched missiles, which are often described as hypersonic. Frequently with the added assertion that there is no defense against those weapons. Rubbish. Um, All six reportedly stopped by US Patriot, blah, 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 blah. blah. Although a a Patriot installation was apparently damaged, hyphen, perhaps by debris from a downed Russian weapon. What a coincidence. Um, It's bonkers. I mean, fourth paragraph. So is the world different today? Can any nation in possession of patriots or similar interceptors rest easy unworried by the thought of hypersonic weapons, perhaps even hypersonic nuclear weapons in enemy hands? At least he equivocates here. The answer is yes and no. Is, <laughs> this is bullshit though. Is he getting,
1: is that guy, my first question, is that guy getting paid by uh, Raytheon? Yeah. Raytheon, yeah. Is he getting paid by Raytheon? Because I mean, that's straight out of like that would be straight out of. You the could take sections books of Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. The
0: brochure. Would his his say brochure
1: that. on Patriot missiles and and send around. So, is he getting paid for it? Because certainly Raytheon's got a lot of skin in the game in the sense of. Uh that message going around the world that patriot system because because otherwise one, one, they're rendered useless well it's one of them the market falls off a cliff. yeah of course it's one of, it's one of the the most exported or perhaps the most exported uh to to partners uh, to other countries <clears throat> around the world uh, the most exported air defense system that the u.s has you know that sales that raytheon sells basically and makes a lot of money from so of course you're going to get as many people as possible in the western media to talk it up um And of course, he's saying the world has changed and everybody's excited. And he puts on, the the telegraph is making money out of it as well. So everybody's making money out of this. That's their primary focus, is is making money from this war. And anybody who thinks that there's some uh, bleeding hearts involved or, you know, genuine concern for Ukraine is massively, massively deluded. And, you know, they can people like that can stay in la-la land. They can stay in make-believe unicorn land, you know, if they want. But it's not a good place to be because there's an actual reality going on um, beyond that that is, is, is much more concrete and has much more yeah. obviously is the one that actually you know has real world effects on 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 everyone including the people who are indulging in this massive delusion including yeah. this guy and I don't know if that guy believes in himself the guy people who write that the, the hacks in, in western media outlets who write that stuff do they believe it themselves or are they simply doing it because
0: uh, it's they'll it's, get a check today yeah they'll get the money is their yeah. interest as long as just the end of the day yeah there? In any event, there we have a historic first, a Russian weapon bested. Supposedly. A U.S. one. But it's reported, the first thing you hear about it in the West is that it's the opposite. The opposite happened. No, no, no. An American weapon bested the best of the Russians. So, yeah. And then they complain that people live in alternate realities. Well, you keep manufacturing them. Yeah. Um Okay, so what happened next? Okay, about our conclusion last week, right, that NATO forces, coming back to reality, if a Patriot system was hit, were recently conscripted Ukrainians operating?
1: Absolutely not, no. No. They might have been standing there going, "Oh, and then you do what?" Uh. Uh, but obviously, it's so, Americans and Germans because the Germans have supplied a couple of Patriot, a few Patriot systems to. Obviously, they're American, but they were from Germany to um, owned by Germany, given to Ukraine, and the Ameri- and the Americans themselves have provided several. So they're all being staffed and you know run so, run by American and German personnel. So if if there were any there if that if there were, those were Patriot, a few if there were a few Patriot missile batteries uh, at the Kiev airport that you know, supposedly intercepted the Kinzhal uh, missile from Russia, but didn't and actually probably got hit, one of them got hit at least, and maybe others damaged, then it's possible that some American and German personnel were
0: um, were, were killed or injured in that, you know. Um, I found one outlet mm-hmm. that followed through the most logical conclusion to report that. Um, don't know much about it. Mil- MilitaryWatchMagazine.com mm-hmm. Headline here. Uh, from yesterday, Russian hypersonic strikes on Ukraine's new Patriot missiles likely cause mercenary casualties, i.e. NATO personnel. And basically they have the same analysis we had last week. But that's it. One, one maybe Duran guys have mentioned this, but it's like begging an explanation. Like, do you know how complex... Well, mm. The the picture there. Okay, so they have a composite image. On the left, you see the the actual missile launcher battery. On the right, you have a, a Russian meg, I think, with a, a one Kinjal under it. Well, the Patriots a lot more complex than that. There's like four or five vehicles that must be used. Mm-hmm. There's a radar system. There's its own power source, like mm-hmm. a gen generator. Um, there's well, and we saw how many launches there were. There were obviously multiple batteries. There's no way Ukrainians were operating those things. It's, it's highly complex. It's like, and there's, there's two other vehicles, I think, that are involved. Mm-hmm. So, um, other than that, we I found, well, you found that actually, that CNN was cited by this Ukraine Maps Twitter account. Mm. Um, possible oblique reference to... Russian success, uh, so to speak, as opposed to a Ukrainian success in downing Kinjals that night. Mm-hmm. This is CNN. Again, how are people going to notice this? I had to search for this. Like It's buried in an article that's ostensibly about. It's moving on. Mm-hmm. The article headline is about the F 16s. Mm-hmm. So the topic's already moved on. So when are we giving them fighter jets? Mm-hmm. Best, you know? Yeah, yeah. Let's so move on. headline is. Um, from uh, May 19th, so Friday. U.S. signals to allies it won't block their export of F-16 jets to Ukraine. Okay, so this is the next contrivance. How many jets are we giving them and when? But if you go do a search for defense officials, it's buried way down. Um, this reference to the uh, Kinzhal versus Patriot instance last week. Um, probably the next one. Yeah, here it is. Uh, it's under this subheading. Um, okay, officials. there it is. The fourth paragraph under that heading. Defense officials and congressional staffers told CNN that Ukrainian troops have in recent weeks used the U.S. Patriot air defense system to shoot down at least one far away Russian fighter jet. Is that a reference to last Saturday mm-hmm. shooting the jets and the choppers in Russia? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. Literally that sentence, because the rest is disinformation, misinformation, next paragraph. Um, we don't know that, but they claim that the Russian planes in question were on a bombing uh, run, yep. so it was defensive, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then they quickly restate the mantra in the next paragraph, these these anonymous U.S. defense officials said the Ukrainians were responsible for making their own firing decisions yeah, right. once the West provided the Patriot systems. sure,
1: They're not even trained on them. Uh, takes a lot longer to train. That's it.
0: That's the only oblique reference to mentioning that night at all mm-hmm. in the entire Western media. Mm-hmm. CNN, buried paragraph, and that small military yeah. watch website. Yeah. But just before
1: we yeah, so we can move on from Ukraine, but like in terms of Bakhmut, you know, Bakhmut has fallen big deal. Uh, what people need to keep in mind, and I know it's hard to keep it in mind all the time, but because for some reason maybe Hollywood or people's general understanding of <clears throat> how war works from previous wars is that it's all about uh you know, taking one and one an invading army, let's say, taking um taking as much land as possible, you know, running rampant across the country and running to the capital, you know, Getting rid of the leadership and installing a new government, and it's all done. That's what you know. The narrative has been from the beginning of this conflict. That's what Russia was trying to do. But obviously, that's not actually in practice how wars generally play out. War play out when uh, two opposing armies uh, fight with each other, and when one of them has no more soldiers left, then the other one wins. So uh, it's not how much land Russia has or hasn't taken is really insignificant compared to the. Uh, amount of Ukrainian soldiers that are being killed, and the amount of Ukrainian military um, material yeah. that is being destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and once there, there is a limit to that, obviously there's a limit to the number of soldiers that are available to Ukraine, like something like eight million people outside the country. There's, a, you know, there's only about twenty-five, let's say, million people uh, available in the country, and you know what percentage of those are. are are able bodied males who are willing to go and fight and they can push into a fight, they can train them and all that kind of stuff. I guess there, there is a there is an end to this in that in that sense where mm-hmm. you have no more Ukrainian soldiers or not enough Ukrainian soldiers to mount any kind of a defence and then it's over, right? Um and of course behind all this as well is uh this is just one part of it, as Putin and G have been, you know, been pretty explicit about um about about uh in, in terms of their, their overall vision, and particularly Russian, Russia's overall vision of a multipolar world, uh, this conflict in Ukraine is largely a sideshow to what's going on uh, globally. And the only reason this Ukraine conflict is continuing is because the West is able to, willing and able to continue to support Ukraine to funnel weapons and to allow them to keep fighting because without Western support, the war would be over in
0: tomorrow. Like Borrell himself said last week. Yeah.
1: So, if other factors relating to the emergence of a multipolar world and the unseating of America as the kind of hegemon in this definitive division of the world into two hemispheres, if that happens, then you can bet that Ukraine will very, very quickly, you know, disappear as as a the current thing as as a current thing, and there will be no more um, no more Western supply of weapons and rah and Slava Ukraine, but Ukraine and Ukraine will fall. So. Uh, it's either Russia gets to the point where it has attrited enough of the Ukrainian military that they can't really fight anymore and then it's over Um, or other factors other major global factors uh, uh, come into play and major changes happen which means, which makes which gives the West something more important to be worried about than Ukraine and they stop supporting Ukraine and then the war's over that way so um, you have to keep the bigger picture in mind all the time you know Yeah, which is, I think, which is you know, the perspective, they've said it, that, that's that's the perspective of of Putin and, and Xi and other partners that see, I uh, countries remember. that see See things the same way. That's what they're looking to. They're looking at the, look, looking at the big picture and a change in the global order. And obviously that uh, downstream of that, there are massive changes in all sorts of things, one yeah. of them being the Ukraine Korean conflict.
0: I recall Putin saying in the months leading up to it, maybe late 2021, Russia needs more land like a hole in the head. Pretty much, that's where a bit verbatim, I think, yeah. um, and it comes back to well, then what is his purpose? I think he stated it at the outset, and it remains it. The denazification part is a bit more abstract. Mm. Who's a Nazi? When is you know? Being well, all I say denazification doesn't mean the but de- destruction demilitarization. Of the, yeah. destruction of the country, is functional. Yeah, they put achievable. Yeah. That's what they're committed to.
2: Yeah, they, of they, course,
0: the West has responded to that by going. Well, we'll let's just make keep making. Let's keep militarizing Ukraine. Right. We'll, the we'll just keep sending it in.
1: We'll be their military uh, until we couldn't be bothered anymore. Yeah. So Bakhmut falls. It's a, you know it was a stronghold. It was very heavily fortified and that kind of stuff. So it is significant in that respect. But there's other cities um, not far from there, uh, from Bakhmut. You know, west of Bakhmut, uh, um, Slavyansk. Slavyansk and Kramatorsk, the northeast type thing, would be two or two fairly major cities similar to Bakhmut. So in theory, and there are others, Drovishka and Konstanyinivka and Chazivyar, there's all little towns there, but they're not as heavily fortified as Bakhmut was, so if, if the Russians were decided, decided to keep pushing on further eastwards, because ultimately, you know, there is a line there of, of the, uh, the actual line of the Donetsk uh People's Republic, or not the domestic People's Republic but the Donetsk region uh, and and the other three regions that Russia has incorporated into the Russian Federation. I mean those obviously are are lines where you would, or goals that the Russians would have in mind from a practical day-to-day planning (coughs) point of view that they want to uh, hold and control. So just look at the map of those four regions and assume, you can assume that as the war continues, that Russia will be planning to uh, liberate, quote-unquote, those four regions and basically take those four regions fully militarily. Um, at that point, if they're able to do that, the amount of conflict and, and fighting with the Ukrainian military involved off. you know, implies a lot more Ukrainian soldiers dying and a lot more Ukrainian military equipment being destroyed, you know what I mean? So, you could get to the point where those four regions that that they declared as you know, part of the Russian Federation, that declared independence, or declared that they're re- unifying with with, with Russia uh, Donetsk, Luhansk, um, Zaporizhia, and Kherson, and Kherson. If you get to the point where those four are occupied by the Russian military, you may actually also be in a situation where there's more or less no more Ukrainian military. At which point, Russia might say special operation, special military operation Maybe. over.
0: McGregor says they won't stop till they take Kharkiv <coughs> and Odessa. That's his, Maybe. That's his minimal, because well, they were historically Russian cities. Yeah. That's a, if Russia has this positivist <coughs> goal, this conquesting thing in mind. But if they're true to their intent at Look. the beginning, which is demilitarization, then yeah. it's probably more functional in nature. Is there another stronghold... Uh, fortification line from Kramatorsk to Slovyansk, for example. Then that's next. Um, and we'll dig, in, we'll dig in there as long as they're digging in, ascending. And when that falls, it's, de- it's demilitarized yeah. to another extent and so on. Yeah.
1: If you get to the point where, like I said, the demilitarization actually happens and there's not enough Ukrainian military left, they can take whatever they want. Right. You know what I mean? It's like th- this idea that they're they're not gonna they're gonna they're not gonna stop until they get to, to, to Dnieper, they're gonna take Kharkiv and Odessa and all this kind of stuff. I mean that w- that's a long that that implies a very long conflict if you assume that it'll continue on the way it has been. Like they've City they spent, by City, street yeah, by street. They spent eight months getting yeah. Bakhmut. And there's another what, if you include them all in that in that region over to the Dnieper River, there's another what 20 major cities so 20 uh, times 8 months what is that that's like another another 15 years to to carry on the way they've been going no of course if it gets to the point where it can drop off a cliff very quickly Mm. where the Ukrainian military effectively collapses because they have no longer no longer have a a, a fighting military capability well then when that happens you can go wherever you want yeah to a large extent you can go all the way to the neighbour you can walk into Kharkiv without any without any opposition all the way to Berlin you can go all the way to Berlin, which is, you know... Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Because there's cause, nothing left. Because Germany's given all its weapons to Ukraine. Uh, and the Germans are too busy... Do you want to... Dirk techniqueing in their factories to be bothered fighting. Uh, what are we going to say?
0: Do you want to comment on this radiation cloud rumour? Nah, following maybe. the khmelnytsky massive detonations we saw last week. Claims and counterclaims. Oh, no um, maybe there was a spike briefly, but it didn't appear to be much above background radiation, a spike in gamma radiation. But as people have been pointing out, uh, depleted uranium shell, that isn't the form of radiation that it releases. No, Its main threat is heavy, metal heavy metals, yeah. Toxicity. Right. Um, in the local area, yeah. But, but it's, it's, not, it's, it's not good either way. They shouldn't be used in war. The Russians have them. I don't think they've been using them, though. Mm. Um, anyway,
1: the other thing, I don't yeah. yeah, we can leave Russia, we can leave the Ukraine conflict there. I think there's not much more to say about it, just, you know, than what we've said. But um, this week also we had, last week we talked about the CIA being exposed as um, being directly involved in covering up the Hunter Biden laptop story mm-hmm. and... Pretending it was a Russian, Russian disinfo campaign and covering up damaging information about the Russian about the Biden family, uh, and this was in the summer of 2020, which you know very possibly would have uh, led to Biden not winning the presidency. So you have evidence that the clear evidence that the CIA directly in, interfered in the American democratic process in favor of one candidate over another. And this week you had uh, John Durham who. Was uh we talked about this council uh, uh, Department of Justice counsel who was like you know was a golden boy for both parties. There was no no partisanship with him at all. No question of partisanship. He was appointed by the DOJ to investigate by Barr, Bill Barr, right? Who was no fan of Trumps, right? Uh, to investigate the FBI basically in what they were doing in 2016 with the Clinton campaign and whether or not they, um, whether or not they basically made up, folk phony allegations about Trump about Russia gate basically Putin colluding with the Russians Putin with Russian hookers and a Obama a bed Obama slept in and the steel report and all that stuff that was you know hat in hand the FBI hat in hand with the Clinton campaign Clinton uh, and the DNC to uh, to smear Donald Trump and to, in that way, interfere in the election and to, obviously, smear Russia and demonise Russia. And, you know, it's all of a piece, in a certain sense, if you can see how it led to a war with Ukraine. You, know, you can see the track they were all on, you know, demonising Trump and demonising Russia at the same time. And then you have a war with Russia. Uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not rocket science, what, what was going on here. But what's interesting is the, um, yeah, it's kind of crickets, in a certain sense, you know. Yeah. Um, CNN.
0: 300-page report. Four years in the making.
1: Yeah, basically saying that the FBI engaged in partisan politics and made up stories and uh, had no reason whatsoever to investigate, no evidence, had no evidence whatsoever to investigate Trump for any kind of Russian collusion. There was no evidence for that, so they should be, have never been in an investigation. And all of the stuff that the public got about Trump being a Russian asset, blah, blah, blah was all based on that and, you know, it was all of a piece and it was all lies. Okay, so they directly interfered in. So you have you have an intellocracy basically in America, yeah. where the overt politicians don't actually they play second fiddle to the Intelligencies The intel agencies decide domestically and uh, in domestic policy and foreign policy, they're the ones who r- rule and call the shots, uh, and they're all unelected. They're appointed by governments, but they're you know it's like I'm the boss, and I pretend that you're the boss, and then give you instructions to appoint me to be the boss of the intel agency, which is actually the one that runs the show and tells you what to do. Gives you briefings every day to tell you what to say and what to think and uh, and reminds you that I have six ways from Sunday of getting back at you.
0: If to, you don't follow if my If you orders. don't
1: do what I say because I'm the top dog in this country, basically, uh, uh, up to and including killing you or, you know, if I need to. So, um, but the, well, I saw, I saw this. It was like... This so there's is, been very little coverage there's the been very little coverage on, and the coverage that has been it has been so scarless. You get here, check this out. Um, this is uh, CNN analysis, right? And in response to the Durham report, right? Exposure, like unequivocal evidence in Durham's report that the FBI colluded with the Democrats in the Clinton campaign to screw over Donald Trump and. Russia and spread lies to the American public and interfere in the election. And this is their headline. Trump weaponizes FBI Russia report he demanded to keep fighting the election that never ends. Uh, but the
0: he didn't demand it. No. Bill Barr did. Exactly. Bill Barr does not like Trump.
1: And, and of course they try to tie it to him fighting the election. The election
0: but that never ends because CNN won't bloody stop talking about it and hasn't stopped talking about it since 2016. But check out, just do a
1: search for those debates. This is... This just got my, made me just, oh, I wanted to, I wanted to wring someone's neck, ideally the person who who wrote this. Those debates, this is this guy's uh, summation of what's actually going on here. Mm -hmm. Those debates aside, the polarization of American politics, everything involving Trump and the bitter aftermath of the 2016 election, means that perceptions of links between his team and Russia will depend for many citizens on their ideological perspective and their opinion of Trump. All of which were shaped by CNN. Exactly. So no responsibility whatsoever. Like talk about like weasel words and yeah. like manipulative bullshit from this guy. Like and and and. But this is what he believes. Like I mean, again, it's. I mean, talk about a complete absence of any honesty or any integrity whatsoever on the part of this person. Like he's just talking about a, a, a report that he cannot disagree with. Mm-hmm. That is unequivocal and in it's in evidence that the FBI colluded effectively with the dnc and the clinton campaign to lie about trump and then and they 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 had a field day when it was happening to to repeat those lies from the fbi over and over again to the american public and then he turns around and blames the american public for believing his lies well, it just depends. It's just people's opinions, you know? And I have nothing to do... Me, we at CNN have nothing to do with the with the perception that the American people have of Trump and whether or not he was involved with Russia. It's nothing to do with us. We well, just, like, 24-7 repeated that Trump was colluding with Russia based on lies that I'm now talking about and now kind of tacitly admitting that those were lies. But I have no responsibility for spreading those lies at the time or any effect they might have on the public uh, public perception of Trump and Russia. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and people wonder, like you know, why we sit here and analyze this stuff ourselves? Because there is no truth whatsoever. Like for ninety percent of what passes for media and information sharing in, the, in uh, you know, in the Western world via whatever means, ninety percent of it there's no truth in it whatsoever. Yeah.
0: The 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 only defense you might muster up for CNN's distancing of well, no, this was a, a macro social phenomenon that had. We're just reporting you know from the outside the only defense they could muster is that well, we were just reporting what the intelocracy told us
1: yeah and what? and you never questioned them, which is true. you were just repeating the lies, so yeah but and have had you scratched the surface. Maybe as, a, as an actual journalist who is meant to do a bit of research and stuff and figure out whether or not what you're being told is true or not, if you had scratched the surface, you would have quickly seen that there were serious problems with these claims. And then you could have reported that, but no, you didn't. You don't do anything. You don't have a job to do. You're basically uh, a mouthpiece for the intel agencies. Your job is to be a mouthpiece for what intel agencies
0: in America say. And they are clearly biased. Yeah. It's either for money or they're scared. Do you remember what we mm. heard Tucker Carlson say yeah. to Tulsi Gabbard? that he had been uh, on the phone with the head of the House Committee on Intelligence Oversight. Mm-hmm. so That was his job, you know, to check in with the intel agencies. Not just to get the briefings from them, but to actually provide oversight on what they're doing. He mm-hmm. said, Tucker, I can't continue to talk with you or text you about this. Let's meet. Well, why? Because the NSA is reading and intercepting myself. Mm-hmm. Of course, everyone knows that. <laughs> so yeah. let's meet, you know, in person.
1: Yeah, he's like, I don't believe what I'm just telling you what they told me, and I can't really publicly we can't say that. We've discuss this here. I can't publicly say I don't agree with the intelligencies. I can't
0: even thing. privately say to you.
1: Well, maybe in, a, in the woods somewhere, you know. <laughs> know but you never know. Even, or on the man. golf course. Even
0: yeah. then, right? So Matt Gates wants indictments. No chance. Not no a chance. Happen. I know. But bless him, they're trying him and Jim Jordan. They give some great. Um, Press briefings on this, but Musk himself spoke about it as well. Um, did he did Musk say Biden should be impeached over this? Donald. I heard that that's what was being reported. I never actually checked that he tweeted or said it mm-hmm. to that effect. Um, yeah, I know. And then and then there's this, <laughs> like, Obama. Is he being facetious here? Is he being manipulative or does he genuinely believe? He's passing comment here last week in an interview with CBS, CBS News. Headline says it all really. Um, Obama grapples with America's different realities. How can we have a common set of facts? (laughs) Common set of facts. Not not your facts and my facts, but facts, facts. (laughs) No. Interlocracy, that's how. Yeah. If you believe that fantasy vision then of the world, the two shall never meet kind of thing. It's Yeah. But then he, from his perspective, he's like, "This conservative. What is wrong with them? You know, we saw that earlier on years ago, alternate facts and alternate realities mm-hmm. that, that they have the other side, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Here's a... Uh and, and of course, you know these people. <laughs> you have to start questioning what's actually going on. And obviously, you have to start questioning what they say and what they're what they're really up to, and whether they believe anything they say. That's the problem. It's not about like <laughs> it's not about believing the media's. You know whether or not you should believe the media's slant on any given event or whatever, or the media distortion or whatever of what they're talking about. But it's about politicians themselves and what they say. You have to question whether or not they actually believe what they're saying or whether they're saying it for some other reason. This is Rishi Sunak at the G7, mm-hmm. that, 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 group, that meeting for unpopular, unloved leaders uh, in, in the West. Uh, have a listen.
0: 7 also demonstrated unity of purpose on China. China poses the biggest challenge of our age to global security and prosperity. They are increasingly authoritarian at home and assertive abroad. And as the G7 have showed, the UK's response...
2: It's completely aligned with our allies.
0: So,
1: are you going to go to war with China now or are you not? It sounds like you're getting belligerent with China and, you know, you're going to push back and maybe, you know, start sanctioning China the way you sanctioned Russia and threatening China and then leading up to a war with China over Taiwan. Is that what you're going to do? I don't think so. Because your entire economy, the entire world would collapse. Overnight, if you had any kind of a serious kind of like fighting war with with China. So that's not going or to happen. Or even, even just a sanctions war. Yeah. Well, they destroy themselves through a sanctions war, basically. So I don't believe anything he says, you know. And it's like, at a very basic level, that guy has to get up there and sound important. Sound like he's dealing like a, like with other, other people of his ilk. Have to get up there and sound like they're dealing with big major issues that are of global importance. Because what else? Well, I think, know what, What's the point? You're a prime minister, that's what you're meant to do, right? You have to sound like you're an important person who's dealing with major issues and you have to sound like you're strong, strong and stable, leadership in a crisis, blah, 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 blah. When what you're actually going to do and what's actually happening behind the scenes is completely different.
0: I think a question to ask first in order to answer that is, do Rishi and friends believe that the sanctions war against Russia has worked? Right. Well, I've no, seen I've you? seen a lot of com- that commentary is. that it just worked yeah, excellently. It's now we now time. we're ready to move on to China,
1: right?
0: But again, we it, have proof of concept; <clears> it worked. But
1: it, there's even a deception in that because we know that and, and they know that the sanctions against China against Russia, uh, for example, against Russian Russian oil, um, have all been are, are being actively circumvented. circumvented with their connivance. Yeah. Ie by European countries by simply uh, a wink and a nod or a memo or a request to to Turkey or to Egypt or to Morocco to buy shit loads of Russian oil rub out the Russian oil logo on it stamp Egyptian oil on it and we'll buy it from you because we need a lot of oil we need Russia's oil. Like We just don't want to buy it. Officially. We don't want to be seen to buy Russian oil. To be seen to we can perception. So, and then he says that sanctions are working even though he knows that he's buying Russian oil through Egypt or Morocco uh, under a different name and paying a higher price for it and passing that price on to British citizens or French citizens or Spanish citizens, which is what they're all doing. And yet he'll say that Russian, that sanctions against Russia are working when he knows they're not. Yeah because he's actually facilitating them, them to not work by continuing to buy Russian commodities. And only the only things that, the things we can't really, things we can do away with, things, things we don't need from Russia, yeah, we'll not buy those. But Russia just sells, sells them to some countries further east. And the main income for Russia obviously is, uh, is fossil fuels, you know? Yeah. Um, and everybody's still buying those. Nothing has changed. Because if if everybody in the world, or if as they claim, Russian sanctions are working, I we've got us and the whole rest of the world to stop buying Russian oil, and that's why it's hitting Russia so hard because they're they're down to zero. Well, either well, why hasn't Russia collapsed? And more to the point, why haven't you collapsed? Because yeah. you can't just switch off Russian oil and gas, because the world is dependent on it. A large part of the world is dependent on it. You can't just switch it off. That takes a massive chunk of the energy supply out of the out of the world market, and then somebody, some country, somewhere, have to be failing. Yeah including Russia, but they're not. So what are you talking about?
0: Yeah. Empire of so lies. Like
1: they think people don't know this, and maybe most people don't, but it's ridiculous to... I don't
0: know. Anyway. So as has become customary, at the same time that the G7 is held, the Bilderberg Conference... Lovely. Takes Bilderberg. place. Alex Jones. Same <laughs> weekend. It must be a, I don't know what the, the wink and a nod. We've got the puppets, the puppets over here and the puppet masses will all meet over here, right? Right. Um, in Lisbon this year. Uh, well, they're kind of more open about it these days. Bilderbergmeetings.org puts out press release of the participants and the topics. Um, I think this is topics page. Let's see what they're talking about this year. What can we expect in the next year from our dear masses of the universe? The key topics for discussion this year are AI, banking system, China, energy transition, Europe, that's big, fiscal challenges, that's vague, India, even bigger, Industrial policy and trade, vague. NATO, too big. Russia, very big. Transnational threats, vague. Ukraine, good. They're still talking about Ukraine anyway. They haven't lost interest in Ukraine yet. And U.S. leadership. U.S. leadership. Hmm. As in, who's the president or leadership of the world? Yeah, so no real tell there. Some years you can get, get something and go, hang on, did they see... Global Cooling. Remember that one, twenty fourteen. 2014? hmm
1: yeah, So that's the up to, you.
0: That's it's the usual funniest. Uh, there, there's, it's kind of People the usual suspects. It's basically everything. all Western. There's one Turkish journalist there, and otherwise, they're all European or yeah. North American or Anglophone. Um, Dutch Prime Minister's there. We know that because they filmed him going in. A few other leaders, but it's mostly like journalists and, Useless people. No important people, Joe. Yeah, okay, sorry. Don't diss them like that. They're they're powerful. <laughs> um. The oh yeah, well this is this is another milestone. After 13 years not being in the Arab League, mm-hmm. uh, President Assad landed in Riyadh and gave a speech. Um. We won't listen to the whole thing, but how we'll start watching this. It's funny what they did. They made a. This um, Syrian journalist slash blogger took the video that was published by the Arab League mm-hmm. conference as a preliminary to his speech. There's some um, flashbacks. He must go. Assad needs to go. Assad must go. Assad must go. Assad must go. We are still saying Assad has to go. Assad has to go. Assad has to go. And I'm confident that Assad will go. Assad must ultimately go.
2: Our position on Assad has not changed, that he must go.
0: Assad, uh, must go. But Assad must go.
2: Assad should go. Assad will still have to go.
0: Assad is a war criminal and should go.
2: Assad is on his way out. Assad is finished. Our goal and focus remains an end to, uh, Assad's rule. So,
0: what do you want us to do about
1: Assad? Take him out? Well, um, uh, Well, how
0: how are we going to do that? By fighting Assad, who turned out to be a lot tougher than she thought. And now she's going to say, oh, he loves Assad. (laughs) He's just much tougher and much smarter than her and Obama. Good man, Trump.
1: He's tougher and smarter than you two.
0: this is him arriving in uh, Riyadh, mm-hmm. where Zelensky was as well. Yeah, that was weird. Didn't and expect sort him to of show up there.
1: everybody about not being S- Slava Ukrainian enough. Did they play that music while he was walking? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Casey, Casey, he's like, that's it was, MBS, it was,
1: of course. That's NBS. and NBS is like, hey, it was nothing personal, you know, yeah, it's just no. business, we're all friends, you know, we try to get rid of you, but, you know, now that things have changed, you know, politics is fickle, we're all full of shit, basically, we, 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 we you know, we change, we change our opinions and our, our, our policies as often as we change our underwear, and since we don't wear any underwear uh, under those...
2: I'll summarize the speech. We won't listen It's five
1: minutes long.
0: So, like all those there's,
1: Americans were like, uh, if we just say that enough times, Assad must go. Then eventually, then he'll magically we'll make
0: go. Reality happen. That that's just, the wishful thinking. It's like the West.
1: you see the hill Mary backwards into the mirror at twelve o'clock. The devil appear. Yeah,
0: there's something ritualistic about mm. there the way they go about things. The, the rumor will collapse. It will, it will, it will. And we get every enough people to say, it. well, there is some bite to it because, you know, if you change perceptions, you can have a shift happen among Russian people, for example, mm-hmm. trying to break that cohesion, which mm-hmm. will have knock on propaganda yeah. I'll summarize the speech story. He basically addressed the point you said, you know, without bitching about anyone in the room, it was a speech of reconciliation and peace. Didn't, but he said... What we need to m- learn from what i 've learned from this is that um you can have relationships with countries and alliances and so on, but they 're fickle they come mm-hmm. and go mm-hmm. you know the only thing that remains solid as far as the medium he was speaking in that concerned is we 're still here we 're still arab countries we 're still we have to remain neighbors with each other yeah, you know? yeah. um, and, and we need to, we badly need to unite because the only way we 're going to withstand. Aggression from without, i.e., from the West, is if we're united. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I,
1: and I think they're all getting that memo, basically. And especially, I think since you know, Russia's actions over the past, you know, five or six years, particularly when be- beginning in Syria, uh, has you know increased Russian uh, Russia's reputation and its its um, its credibility among those people in terms of its ability to put to, out a to, fire to, to, yeah. and, and
0: move, move itself out of the way then yeah. it doesn't and, park itself there right. for six years and steal the oil from bloody oil fields right
1: and to push back against the US and US machinations in the Middle East and to provide a certain level of protection for Middle Eastern countries that want to be a bit more sovereign than they have been under American hegemony uh, so I think that's, that's, a, that's making a big difference it's basically the reason Assad was welcomed there in, in, in Saudi Arabia and was given that speech and all that kind of stuff is entirely down to Russia yeah and the Americans are livid, but tough shit.
0: Suck so it up. And Zelensky was there. Is he, like, literally unable to return to Kiev these days? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't
1: know. Uh, he might have been afraid that, uh, you know, it just coincide, coincide, coincides with, you know, these meetings. or he, well, he was He was around... He was out of, he was in Europe when they when the drones attacked the Kremlin. Yeah. And he, he was, I think he might
0: have returned briefly.
1: He returned briefly then he was away again whenever there was the the attack on the Patriot missile system when there was a shoot down of the four planes over Russia. When yeah. there was the then the responding attack against the Patriot system in, in Kiev. And then the fall of Bakhmut. He's out for all of that because you know CIA analysts have gamed the whole scenario and said that yeah these might be uh, particularly dangerous times for you to be in the country. So why don't you come over and hang out and go down to Saudi Arabia there and give shit to the Arabs? Tell them to be tell yeah. them to say Slava Ukraine more. Yeah. Try, try, try and get them give them to a pre- message from us. Try and, it'll be hard, but try and get them to pronounce Slava Ukraini. You know it's hard for the Arabic accent, but try and get them to say <laughs> Slava Ukrainian, and that might work. And then come on over to Japan here, uh, to Hiroshima, and claim that um, the fall of Bakhmut is worse than Hiroshima. Yeah. Than, worse than the nukes in Hiroshima. Why don't you do that? And that way you'll keep yourself safe and you'll piss people off. Yeah. <laughs> so It's, it's meant <laughs> to like like win friends, friends,
0: but it's like... Yeah. Uh, yeah. George Soros, is he dead yet? He should be. Him Rumors and, flying last week, he died. Um, him, and, him and Kissinger. I believe... He himself spoke and said rumours about my demise are premature. Um but yeah, he's going soon. This is uh, unrelated, right? Kissinger's a hundred. He turned a hundred this week, didn't yeah. he?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird time. Him it? and Soros, like I think there'll be there'll be there be shockwaves running the world when both them both of them pop our clogs together, like who's gonna look after us? Who's gonna run the world behind the <laughs> <laughs> If those two old fogies go like
0: um yeah. Well Soros has a offspring. Don't know about Kissinger, mm, probably. Right. Um it's caught my eye on RT. US and Israeli envoys clash over Soros. huh. Um, apparently each country has an anti Semitism envoy. I'm not sure what that means, but um anyway they've taken opposing positions on whether supporters or critics of Jewish financier George Soros is anti-Semitic. Um, the argument kicked off, people probably saw this, when Musk compared Soros to cartoon supervillain Magneto. Mm-hmm. Specifically because Soros is like, his reputation is just destructive. Everywhere his money goes, um uh, Bad stuff happens. Revolutions, collapse. Ukraine, for example. has had have money in Ukraine since the nineteen eighties? When a commenter responding to Musk on Twitter said, um, uh, "Okay, that's not important." Um, Scroll down a bit more. Okay, so Musk was quickly accused of anti-Semitism by ADL CEO Greenblatt declaring that by comparing Soros to a, quote, Jewish supervillain, Musk would embolden extremists. Well, that's, yeah, you expect him to say that. But this isn't, the next part's unexpected. The Israeli government disagreed. The Israeli government and the vast majority of, they claim speaking on behalf of Israeli citizens, see Musk as an amazing entrepreneur and a role model, i.e. a good guy. We're on his side. And specifically the diaspora affairs minister in the Israeli government. Um... And she added that criticism of Soros, who finances the most hostile organizations to the Jewish people and the state of Israel, is anything but anti-Semitism quite the opposite. Well, that's unexpected. When anti-Semitism collide. Yeah, difficult. Who's anti-Semitism? Yeah. Israels or rich New York Jews? Not on the same page anymore. Mm -hmm. The
1: truth is anti-Semitic.
0: Very
1: interesting. Yeah. Um, I just, just saw somebody say that, um, which is pretty true about the Trump uh, Russia collusion business. Uh, at this point, the only the only people, the only ones not involved in the Trump Russia collusion situation was Trump and Russia.
0: Right. Ukraine was, Clinton was, the Brits were. All the CIA people claiming was.
1: it are the ones who were involved in it, and the ones who weren't involved in it were the people, two people who were, who were claimed to be the actual colluders that's so a why completed version. Trump
0: and Russia need to collude they need to team yeah, up they should start colluding yeah and Musk too yeah Musk and Medvedev yeah yeah um, mm. Sam Brinton was arrested again he was <laughs> at first I thought he'd been arrested for stealing shit again um, now he was arrested for being a fugitive because he didn't respond to a summons or something right what a shit show but that for me that perfectly sums it up like let's bring in like a diversity hire to oversee nuclear waste management yeah yeah that'll be great um and he's gone um for stealing someone's clothes wearing her clothes in public and then getting arrested twice at airports for stealing women's baggage Mm. um worked out oh and for me yeah I think this is worth mentioning you remember that skit from Life of Brian mm. where the guys are on the steps of somewhere in ancient Rome mm-hmm. and they're having this ridiculous debate because one of them has just announced to the others, I want to be a woman. Yep. <laughs> That's from 1979, right? Yep. Um, and, you know, people have commented that you could never do that today obvious, for obvious reasons. Well, John Cleese is currently apparently at work in helping to produce a... Um, a play, a stage version of The Life of Brian. Right. And his co-actors are seriously encouraging him to scrap that bit mm-hmm. from the play because it would be insensitive. Headline Telegraph, John Cleese urged to scrap Life of Brian joke about man having a baby. Because men can
1: have babies today and it's not a joke anymore. <laughs> That's supposedly what's going on, right?
0: <laughs> it like
1: would be seen as offensive. Yeah, yeah. To who? To a very, very tiny percentage of the population, while the rest of the, the, the vast majority of the population would say, yeah, that's, that's funny because it's true. That's a good joke, you should keep that in. No, but there's a tiny percentage of the population who would be offended by it, i.e. people who, who like men who want to be a woman. Uh, and we should not tell the truth to save their feelings. And it's not just about telling, you know, some hardcore truth, whatever, it's about telling uh, a biological truth. And you're not allowed to say that anymore to to Protect the sensitivities of people who are way over sensitive.
0: Forty-five years later, cancelled.
1: Yeah, state of the world. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think that's about it for this week. Um, it's just gonna things are just gonna keep going. We'll have to watch. There's gonna be some surprises coming up, you know. Uh, but it's a slow grind. Where predict something? Come on, give predict us Predict something. something. Uh, I'm predicting some Taiwan major no. Not any, not this year. I don't think Taiwan. Maybe building up, but uh, mm, I, I think some, some environmental climate change. Some environmental upsets. No, like a big are you vo- one of those sea people? No, a big volcano
0: or something. Oh, volcano! A, a big, a big rupture somewhere. Mm, somewhere, somewhere. It's a big world. Yeah. Well, we had a hell of a. I mean, it, it should have. I mean, it should have. I don't know how to judge the media coverage of it, I think people just don't know where to put these things when they happen. Um, that earthquake in Turkey mm-hmm. just knocked the socks off. Obviously, it was devastating for the region, but um, how did, because people don't know how to handle that. It doesn't fit into man-made climate change. Right. It's the worst, for perspective now, it, it, it beat in terms of death toll the last known large earthquake in modern Turkey. hmm and even then, all the way through the Ottoman records, there's nothing like it. The the only equivalent they have for it in scale of destruction and death toll, mm-hmm. according to the best records available, are the major earthquake of Antioch, <clears throat> which is a city that no longer exists. Uh, Roman ruins now because of that earthquake mm-hmm. in 526.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. There's no modern anchor on which to place it. So people just go, oh my God, that's terrible. Moving on, they they almost invite, give me another distraction, something else. Mm -hmm. Because what is it to talk about? It can happen anywhere. And the Turks clearly didn't expect it because it's in a region that isn't normally earthquake prone. And that's why their buildings were not built to a certain standard.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Turkish elections next week, next Sunday, the second round. Will Erdogan Erdogan survive or not?
0: He will. We, we shall see. He will. He's up against a liberal who does well, that he's up against who does a liberal that symbol, you know, the international liberal symbol of yeah. I care. I heart everything. It's all see, about it. It shows I have empathy and for I have everything. feelings. Yeah. I hate when they do that. Football stars do that and then politicians started aping it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No. It's and if you're fooled by that like
1: Yeah. God help you. Um, well, the problem is that the guy, the third candidate who got five percent of the vote, um, he is has he more or less has said people vote for him because he's not in the runoff because he only got five percent. Yeah, he said basically uh, vote for Kilcaldaghlu, whatever his name is, the mm. other guy. Uh, so whether or not his voters will swing will swing to only to him if he does that other guy will win if not then Erdogan will win we'll see it'll be this time next Sunday. Erdogan Saturday. needs to get
0: in contact with the um, Kremlin election fixing services exactly very good <laughs> he needs very to good he needs to work to for worked for Trump in 2016 he needs a clue to collude with Putin he needs a clue to
1: collude with Russia
0: well next he kind of you know. has expressly and <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, anyway, so I think we'll uh, leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching, listening. Hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for commenting. Um, any comments going on there on Turkey Earthquake? There's a higher population density now than ancient times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, big earthquakes happen in these days. If they happen in densely populated areas, it's serious. Anyway, yeah, so thanks for commenting, watching, listening, whatever you're doing. Um hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another show on whatever's been going on between now and then. So until then, have a good one. See you later.
0: See you next week. Bye, all.
2: Can't stop the signal now.